So welcome back to the Raider Report, everybody. This is the third episode this season brought to you by the Guardian Media Group. My name is Nicholas Benvenuto. I am the news editor for the Guardian. I'm joined by Katie Krosniak, news writer. Hi, guys. And we also have a special guest with us today, Mrs. Gina Kucher. <laughs> oh, you're good. Hi, I'm Gina. So Gina is here with us. She is the program director, fraternity and sorority life at Wright State. Um, Gina, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. We're in the middle of sorority recruitment, uh, doing that virtually for the first time, like many campuses across the country. And um, it's going really well. So what kind of things would typically be going on um, in a normal year, you know, without coronavirus? How would recruitment and re the recruitment process be going on um, normally? So normally when we do recruitment, we sort of take over the entire student union. We normally have about 120, um, 100 women that go through our sorority recruitment process on a normal year. And um, we start in the atrium and they all gather in the atrium and sort of like this gaggle of women. Um, and then we have our chapters in different rooms all throughout the student union and they get a chance to meet the potential new members and the potential new members get a chance to meet the chapter and kind of figure out whether or not which one is a really good fit for them. And so that process lasts about three days and a, a process of a couple mutual selections. And um, at the end of it, our hope is that uh, women will find their home away from home. That's awesome. Um, so you said that you guys would typically take over the atrium. Moving into a virtual format, how have you guys been able to you know, accommodate for the, um, the loss of communication that might take place being online, whereas when you guys are in person, obviously everybody's talking, interacting, socializing. How are you guys able to, um, you know, kind of bring that to a virtual format? Absolutely. So we have what's called recruitment counselors. They are uh, young women that are part of our sororities already who step away from their chapter for a period of about, well, at least a month. Um, but we really start this process back in the spring and they're trained to do this process. And they are, um, they're sort of the face of Panhellenic. They are the ones who communicate most with the potential new members, let them know what their schedules are, meet with them virtually um, this year. So they'll have a Zoom meeting or a team meeting and they'll get a chance to talk to them about, you know, what's going to go on and how this process is going to work. And then so each round we have had um, Zoom links for every chapter and one of our recruitment counselors will actually man that room. And um, as the potential new members come in, they're in the waiting room and she'll let the chapter know, you know, like everybody's here and we're ready to start the round. Um, she'll let the women in from the waiting room, introduce the chapter, and then the recruitment counselor is pushed to the waiting room and waits there until the end of the round. Um, so, it, so it's just kind of, it's, it's imagine like normally we would do that by a process of knocking on the door to tell the chapter um, mm -hmm. that the women are here. Now, virtually we are, we are actually manning the room and the knocking on the door is happening via text and via, you know, they're in the waiting room and that kind of thing. Yeah. So it's just a little bit different, but actually it's gone really smoothly. We've been really happy. That was one of the things I was going to ask you is what has the response been? Um, you know, with it being so different, I'm sure that, like you said, there's people that have already done this in years past that are now doing it again. Um, so what's what's the overall response been, you know, from the new people that are coming up and then the people that have, you know, already gone through this process before? 
Well, I've been getting really great responses from our recruitment counselors saying that their potential new members are really happy um, and that they're loving the process and they're getting excited, right? So that's that's good. That's what we want, right? We still want to have that excitement from these members that they're going to mm-hmm. find their, their place on campus. Um, I would say that uh, actual numbers are down drastically. Probably because normally in the beginning of a year, we would have big events, right? We would have mm-hmm. a movie or we would have tabling or we would have done do to you and those kinds of things. And since that really hasn't had um, been able to happen on campus, we probably haven't reached as many women as we would hope to. Um, mm-hmm. At the end of this, uh, our sororities will have, um, sweet, it's weird, I don't know, if, but Sororities have a maximum number that they can have in their chapter. Fraternities mm-hmm. don't have that. So our maximum number is 47 women in each chapter. So at the end of this process, most of my chapters, if not all of my chapters, are going to have space in their roster to continue recruiting. And so if anybody's out there listening to this and they're still interested in sorority, get a hold of me and um, I can give you the contact information for each chapter. And then they'll host their own informal um, sort of probably one-on-one meetings and maybe some virtual game nights and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I know that you said that the, you know, the number of people that are allowed in each chapter differs from, um, from men to women. Has it always been like that? Is that just a thing that like Greek life has always been? Is that just here on Wright state? Um, what's that about? I'm kind of confused. Sure. So um so we have national councils that sort of govern Panhellenic um, sororities. And so those 26 national organizations have formed this conference. And within that conference, they set rules and expectations. They also have, they call it um, unanimous agreements. And so one of those unanimous agreements is that there is a sorority total the idea really is based on we want every sorority on our campus to be fully supported um, to grow. And sometimes if you have one organization that is so much bigger than another, it's really hard to ever get that parity. And so that's what MPC does is they try to to govern and manage so that sororities can re- reach parity so that all of our chapters are a really healthy size on our campus. Sometimes that gets um, a little out of whack because one group may have a whole lot of people graduate or some transfers and so their numbers go down. Mm-hmm. And so like we have one organization that's very small right now. That doesn't mean that that organization is not as good as the others, which is kind of where your head goes if you're looking and comparing. But yeah, it could be easy to go to the negative side of things. Yeah, right. Exactly. But it's really not that. It's really just the way that worked. And when I joined my sorority way, like when the earth was still cooling, um, (laughs) (laughs) I there were four active members of my sorority. But campus total there was 27 or something like that. So mm-hmm. they were much smaller. Um, and just for me, it was just a much better fit. So it's it's that. I don't, I tell everyone, you want to feel so at home 
when you meet the women of a sorority that it really is such a good fit. That's what matters most. It doesn't matter. Like, it's great that you love their philanthropy, but you're going to be able to support anyone's philanthropy as a member on our campus. It really is, is it a good fit for you? Do the values match your values? And if so, then you're going to be a lifetime member like I am. So that's the cool part. Now for the fraternities, they do not have a a size requirement. They have more of a trade organization that sort of manages fraternities. It's Mm -hmm. not nearly as rule oriented as, as Panhellenic is. And so really they're, they're kind of, they don't have a formal recruitment. They have individual recruitment processes and we'll support them by sending out information but but really, they they kind of manage their own recruitment. And that's how the men on our campus have wanted it for a while. Mm-hmm. On some other campuses, they may have a formal recruitment similar to sorority recruitment. But it's just that varies um, campus to campus. Okay. And I know you said that the recruitment that's been going on this weekend, um, I believe that started, did that start on Thursday or was that Friday that it started? So Thursday was their orientation and Friday was their first round and it'll finish up tomorrow. Oh, okay. Um, Was the guys at the same time or was that, you know, before the semester? When, when was the um, fraternities doing their recruitment? That is a great question. So I'll tell you that the fraternities really start their recruitment pretty much as soon as people get on campus. Mm -hmm. Um, And it depends on the individual chapter when they decide to offer bids. So they will, they will try to meet the men, Um, They will try to, you know, maybe set up a one-on-one, I'm going to grab a Coke with you in Union Market and learn a little bit more about you. Or um, some of them have been doing virtual game nights, virtual poker night, right, online. Um, So I think one of them was going to go to like a paintball place because, you know, the the paintball place has to manage, you know, under COVID restrictions. So Uh they're allowed to go there. And as long as their group is the right size, you know, they can meet some men and have some fun. Um, So some of those restrictions have been harder on the men than the women because they're Mm -hmm. so used to having sort of physical contact. Like a lot of the time they'll do kickball or they'll do a capture the flag or something like that. And sometimes that's really hard to do and stay socially distanced and be in a mask and all that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. That was one of the things I was most interested in coming into today's podcast was, you know, learning about how these organizations have been able to manage um, events and actually being able to meet each other because I know that you know, communicating and, and being a, a part of each other's life is such a big part of being in a fraternity and a sorority. That's, you know, a huge reason why people do it is the social connections. Um, so it, it's good to know that, you know, there are events that they can still go out there and do that they can, that they can meet each other and, um, you know, socialize for sure. Absolutely. And, you know, I think during COVID, some of the, I think the connection that you had in fraternity and sorority was really important, right? So as we as we stopped going to campus last March and and everybody was kind of upended and finishing that spring semester that way, I think that my um, members really found that their fraternity and sorority was a, a huge support. And it might have felt weird in the beginning to connect via Zoom. But after a while, it just became the way you were doing things, right? So they would hold their meetings via Zoom or via WebEx or via Teams. Um, And they would also host like a Netflix party and watch Netflix together. And, you know, you can text back and forth and make comments about the movie and that kind of stuff. So 
I think that being a member of fraternity and sorority really helped have that campus connection for those folks. And I think that was really important. Yeah, absolutely. Um, It sounds like even with the amount of chaos we've endured these last couple months, it sounds like the fraternities and sororities on campus um, have still continued to be very determined to maintain those relationships and find ways to continue um, growing as a group and continue connecting together, um, even if it is um, from a distance through a screen. Um, it actually makes me feel a little bit more comforted. I was going back and forth on the idea. Do I want to join a sorority at some point? Do I not want to? And I originally, (laughs) (laughs) I had originally decided, you know what, maybe I'll wait until like my sophomore, junior year, but hearing how, um, just hearing how like connected these groups are and how supportive they are. And also hearing that like, it's, there's still going to be room to join one if I want to after recruitment weekend ends and stuff like that. Just knowing that um, regardless of if it's a sorority or fraternity based off your gender, knowing that essentially no matter what, you're going to walk into a warm and healthy and supportive environment. I'm sure not even just for me, but for pretty much anyone on campus, that's got to be pretty comforting. Yeah, I really, so one of the things, I'm sure you all have heard, you know, horror stories about fraternity and sorority and, you know, the national news is never very kind. Um, But fraternity and sorority on this campus is pretty special. I am blessed to be the person who advises this community because they really are supportive, not only of their own members, but sort of of our community in general, right? They will do things together. There's not that kind of, um, there's, you know, on the guy's side, there's a little bit of competition just because I think it's really natural for men to have competitive relationships. That's the way we are, Gina. It's by nature. (laughs) That's right. And that's fine. And the good part is they can be competitive but not hate each other, right? Like that's that's what's really special. On some other campuses, there may be really, you know, less, more adversary relationships. But here, you know, it that isn't our culture. And the, these groups are supportive of their own members and of each other um, and really want to do the right thing. Um, one of the things I've always told people is that this community has been dedicated to philanthropy and service. And when we didn't have COVID, so the year before, they were less than 500 people, just under 500 men and women on our campus. And from what was reported, they did 25,000 hours of service and raised over $25,000 for philanthropy. I love that. That's, that's one of the things that makes me most proud. And, you know, if you think about like per member, how much that really is, that's, it's huge. And they love it. They love that that's part of who they are and what they do. Um, So yeah, so I'm super proud of this community and who they are as people. Um, Do we ever have issues? Sure. Um, We have 20 year olds. Uh, (laughs) But most of the time, they're really great to each other. Yeah, it sounds like each group really has their own real strong drive to contribute to the community. Um, so another question that I think, um, a lot of people are curious about, um, 
the sororities and fraternities um, on campus don't have their own houses, correct? Correct. We do not have any houses. And could you explain a little bit about why it is like that? I think part of that is just that Wright State was a young university, right? We only have a little little more than 50 years under our belt. And originally, um, you know, it just wasn't, it wasn't set up as a residential campus. And so unlike some of these really, you know, longer established universities that just was never part of who we were, there's all kinds of rumors about, well, Fairborn won't let you or whatever. Um, actually, the city of Fairborn has approached me often and asked if there was a way that we could um, work together for, for housing. One of the things that would be important to me is that they would be campus um, housing and not off-campus housing. Um, part of that is because I, I think that that sense of campus and community on campus is really important. So um, I'm still hopeful that one day we'll get to the position where we could have houses, but it just was never a part of Wright State's tradition and, and where we were. Yeah, and that definitely makes sense. I mean, Wright State is a very commuter-heavy school, and I'm sure that um, a large portion of those that are involved in Greek life are commuters. So I feel like um, as great as it would be for all of these groups to have their own um, specific housing, um, those students that do commute back and forth might also just feel as if they are a little bit more connected, um, knowing that they don't they never will feel like they have to move into this house in order to be involved in something. It's almost something that regardless of whether you live on campus or you drive 25 minutes every day to attend your classes, this group will welcome you and love and support you and serve with you regardless of where you're from and where you live on a day-to-day basis. Absolutely. And one of the really cool things about um, not having houses, there's, there's a couple of really great things. Um, the first is that, yes, our commuters feel really connected, right? Because they they don't have to, oh, I can't join because I'm a commuter. Absolutely. Probably more than a third of my members are commuters or live, and probably more than that, live right off campus on Zinc Road and in that area. But the other part is it makes it much more affordable, right? So our um, Panhellenic dues range somewhere from about $250 a semester to about $500 a semester that first semester. First semester is always the most expensive because it is the semester that you're being initiated. So there are initiation fees and the the pretty little badge that we all wear um, that is specific to our organization is a part of that purchase, right? So the first semester is a little higher, second semester is lower and, and for the rest of the time in. And so not having a house means we don't have the extra expense of trying to maintain a house. And so that's really great. I would love, like, even if we don't have houses, I would love for Wright State eventually to find space on campus for a Greek common area or um, something like that where we can gather, like, soft couch areas where they could gather and it's their space, right? But for right now, um, they they gather on campus. They uh, will meet together um, when we can meet in person. They meet um, in classrooms for their for their meetings weekly. Um, we have the small Greek office in the student org complex, so often they'll come there. 
Um, and they just find that way to still stay connected. They have lunch together. Um, they'll meet after classes in the library. There's always this one area where there's a whole bunch of people and, and that's them. So they find a way to have community still, even though they don't have houses. That's really cool. Gina, I had a question for you. Um, I know that you mentioned that you were in a sorority when you were in um, college as well. First off, where did you go to college? Did you go to Wright State? Well, I finished at Wright State. I started at okay. Finley College when Finley University of Finley was still a college, so a while back. Um, and I am a member of Sigma Kappa. And I think this year is my... Mm, 33rd year as a sorority member something like that so it's been something that you've you've done pretty much ever since you were in university that's awesome um what kind of like you know professional and personal relationships were you able to um gain out of being in that sorority i know that's another big reason why people join is not only um you know that sense of community while you're in school but once you leave college you have all of these connections which is you know in the in the adult professional world you can almost go by the saying, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Um, I know that those connections can be, you know, absolutely massive, you know, towards your career and anything that you're going to be pursuing. I'm sure that you've had lots of those. Absolutely. So um, there's something that I say at every recruitment period for sorority recruitment. And I, and I really mean it. Um, I have the women in the room and, and this year I had the women in the Zoom room kind of scan through the, the Brady Bunch pictures and smile and wave at each other. When you look around that room, a sixth of those women, right, because one in six are going to be in your same sorority. They are going to be there for you. Um, I say they are going to be there to to loan you the outfit for the date that you're going to go on with that really special someone. <laughs> and and then they're going to be the one that you get to cry on their shoulder when that didn't work out the way you really hoped it would. Um, <laughs> but they're going to be bridesmaids or the folks in the, you know, in the seats at your wedding. They're going to stand by you. My sorority sister was one of the first people I called after I had my my firstborn son and let her know that I had a boy. Um, and and for me, you know, in a different way, my mom passed away several years ago and I was advising a chapter of my sorority at University of Dayton and I was a part of the alumni group. And then I have my own members of my sorority, my my team, you know, when I joined these women from this alumni group, none of them were a part of my chapter. But mm -hmm. when I turned around at my mom's viewing there were the women of my alumni group and directly behind them, the young ladies that I was advising that were there. Wow. They had never met my mom, but they knew I needed people. And so they were there for me. And one of my sisters traveled over a thousand miles to be there, right? These are the women that will support you and be there for you no matter what. And wherever you move in the country, you can join that alumni group and have that sisterhood again. So that's the cool part. That's incredible. That's really incredible. Yeah, it, it's, you know, for me, sorority is really special. And so just to give you this weird who Gina is, um, I graduated from Wright State. I went on and I had a biology degree. I went on and did um, another degree in um, industrial scientific photography. And I ended up for 10 years, I was a clinical photographer for Procter & Gamble. And I was traveling down to Cincinnati every day from Dayton. Um, I had two boys and, you know, I liked my job. 
but I had started volunteering for Sigma Kappa and volunteering for this chapter at University of Dayton. And the more I got involved with that, I, I was a, a chapter advisor and then I was the head chapter advisor. And then I was an area advisor where I kind of traveled around Pennsylvania and helped chapters there and did um, leadership development stuff with those women. I really realized that that being able to to help advise and guide women of college age was really important to me. And um, I said to my husband one day, hey, by the way, I'm going to go get my master's degree. And I'm going to, he used to say all the time, because I was traveling and doing all these things and not, it was all volunteer. Uh-huh. <laughs> and he said, are you ever going to get paid for this? And I said, hey, I found a way to get paid for this. So I went back, got my master's degree here at Wright State. Um, and I was lucky enough that Iris Morales, who was my current supervisor at the time, um, had decided that she really wanted to go back to financial aid and be there. And so my position opened up and, and my supervisor at the time, my, my, our director in this area at the time was like, you're the one that's, that's who I want in that position. And so I had to fight some folks from, from off campus who tried for the job, but I got it. And I've been here for 11 years. What has your experience been like um, here at Wright State ever since you took over? So it's been really good. So we started really small. Um, and in that time, in the time that I've been here, I believe we added about uh, five fraternities and sororities. Um, we we added the engineering fraternity, the engineering sorority. Um, they are social organizations, so they are regular Fraternities and sororities, they just, you have to be, um, for the sorority, you either have to be an engineering or an engineering related sort of science, um, computer science, that kind of thing. For the men, it's more, um, it's a little narrower engineering focus. We have a a music interest fraternity, Phi Mu Alpha, and um, a lot of their men are actual music majors, but you're not required to be a music major. Um, You just have to like music. So, you know, that's cool. Um, We have (laughs) Beta Phi Omega, which um, is our fraternity that is the only local fraternity on our campus. They were actually founded at Wright State two weeks before Wright State became Wright State. Um, Because, you know, we were a branch campus before that. And so um, Beta Phi Omega has a very long history. Um, So, you know, we grew. And, you know, we've kind of had this little bit blip of contraction where our our numbers are a little smaller than they probably were when enrollment was a whole lot higher. Um, But I really am that person who believes, especially on this campus, that, you know, like, Nick, I feel bad. We did. We failed. We should have had you as a member. Um, because <laughs> I really believe that um, fraternity membership and sorority membership it, can be for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, if I would have um, taken the initiative to learn more about that, um, you know, earlier on, I think that I, you know, I could definitely see myself going back and joining a frat um, here on campus just to get, you know, even if I just wanted to to have these um, um, you know, partnerships and friendships with people that are doing the same thing that I am. I think that that can be so huge. Um, and then also the support system, like you said, having people that are there for you is something that is so, so, so important. Um, I'm an older student myself. I came back to Wright State um, at a later at a later age. I'm 27 right now, so I'm about to graduate. I'll be 28 when I graduate, actually, next summer. Um, 
but you know, I just, I know how important, um, it is to have people that, that are there in your life to support you personally, professionally, um, every step of the way. And, you know, I think that it is something that if I could go back and change about my career here at Wright State, it is something that I probably would have done for sure. So Nick, you're going to have to come and see me in my office because it's not too late. You haven't graduated yet. Um, my IFC president is actually in his thirties. So you also aren't. Oh, wow. Okay. Right. You aren't too old. You aren't, you aren't done yet. Um, and, and like I said, this membership is for your lifetime. It is, it is not just college. And I know it's easy to focus on. It's really fun while I'm in college and I can do all these social things and we have parties and, you know, all of that. But the other part of it is, you know, it is the rest of your life, these connections and these networks that will last um, for whenever. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing that I really wanted to highlight that you said that that really stood out to me was um, that when you started to go back and you were starting to do this work in your professional life, you know, at first you weren't getting paid for it, um, but then you did start getting paid for it. And now it's, you know, something that you love to do. I, I just want to go ahead and let people know out there that that is so important. Doing what you love, finding something that you love to do and finding a way to make money doing it. I truly, truly believe that that is one of the biggest keys to happiness that we can have as humans on this planet. Um, I, you know, I strongly, strongly believe that we are not meant to just work dead end jobs that we hate going to, um, you know, it can affect so many different parts of your life outside of your work life. A lot of people will work jobs that they don't enjoy, and then they end up coming home and they bring all these negative, negative feelings home. And then it just, you know, it, there's a trickle down effect, um, doing something that you love to do, making money, doing it. And just, you know, even if, it, even if you're not doing it for the money at first, one day there will be a way to make money doing what you love. So just go after it, follow your passions and just absolutely go after it. I absolutely agree. There is nothing better than coming to work every day and it is your passion and your, it's my purpose, right? For me, um, being able to, to talk to students and help them through um, issues and, and just life. um, It's, it's the best job ever. And I love it. And you know, it's hard for me during, during COVID, right? Being at home was rough. Um, I have four boys, so I wasn't alone. Um, <laughs> there were days I wished I was, <laughs> uh, but the, but the great part was, you know, it, I really miss students. And so as soon as we were allowed to come to campus, I was like, yep, yeah, count me in. I, I'm on board. I want to be there. Um, and I'm still not seeing as many students as, you know, I hope like, so I'm bored, drop by. I'm not bored, but I'm in my office and I love seeing people so we can have our masks on and say hello. It's funny that you mentioned that too, because in episode one of this podcast, um, I believe two weeks ago, we had president, uh, Sue Edwards on, and it's one of the things that she was mentioning too, was, you know, um, when there was nobody on campus for those months, it's like, that was her purpose. And that, you know, not seeing the people is what made her realize, you know, this is why I'm here. You know, these students are what I care about. These are the people that I'm here for. I'm doing my job for them. Um, So it's really cool to know that, you know, not only is the university president, you know, so passionate about their work, that we have people all over this university that are extremely passionate about the people here that love the job that they do um, and that are here for the students. That is why I'm still at Wright State. Um, You know, I, I could try to go other places. Um, I have, but for me, it always comes down to, this is the right fit for me. This campus 
cares about our students, is here for our students. Um, this campus understands that they are they are the lifeblood, regardless of what else is going on, whatever financial issues or whatever. It's still students first. And as long as we're still putting students first, I'll be here. Well, I can go ahead and speak for for anybody that I know that we are happy to have you, Gina. It, you know, it seems like um, you're in the right spot. It seems like you're, you know, doing what you love to do. And I know that anybody that would be interested in joining a frat or a sorority, um, you know, should have absolutely no problems going to see to seeing you, speaking with you about doing such things. Katie, did you have anything that you wanted to add? Um, honestly, I can agree with everything you just said, Nick. I don't know a single person on this campus who I believe would walk into your office, Gina, and not feel uh, very welcomed, even if they decide not to join a fraternity or a sorority. Um, just knowing that even considering it would put you into such a warm and friendly environment while you decide what you want to do, who you want to work with, um, if you want to go for it or not. Um, yeah, I I think the last thing I really have to say is don't be surprised if at some point in the next year I'm popping into your office wanting to get more involved because this really was eye-opening for me. I can't, I can't wait. So thank you guys. You made me blush. Um, I, I do love my job and, and my door is always open regardless of whether or not you are a member. But whenever I see a student leader who got through Wright State and, and didn't become a fraternity or sorting member, I always feel a little sense of loss and regret because I know that those leaders would have just made our community even better. So you guys keep up the good work and thanks for letting me come talk to you. Thank you so much for being here, Gina. It's been an absolute pleasure. Guys, anybody listening, I want to let you know that we will be back next week for another episode. Um, you can check our social medias at WSU Guardian um, to get any news, updates, everything right state. We have the best, the fastest. So check us out um, and we will be back next week. Katie, Gina, thank you so much for being here. Thanks. You guys have a great day. Bye, guys.